Hello, and welcome to Tea with Mama Cash, because feminist activism works. I'm Zora, the executive director at Mama Cash, and today I am super excited to talk about dance, feminism and dance. In just over a week, it is March 8th, which means International Women's Day, which means the fifth annual Mama Cash Feminist Festival. Every year for International Women's Day, we partner with museums and cultural spaces in cities throughout the Netherlands to create a platform for women artists and activists who are using creativity to challenge oppressive norms and change the world. And this year, the Feminist Festival is all weekend long. We have kickoff parties in Amsterdam, Rotterdam and Utrecht on Saturday the 7th and a full day program on the 8th. You can find all the information at www.mamacash.org forward slash feminist festival. One of these kickoff parties is extra special. It's called Strictly Silk, and it's a party for and by women and non-binary people. We didn't come up with this as Mama Cash. It's actually a party conceptualized in Nairobi, Kenya, where it's had four successful editions. And in collaboration with Mama Cash and the Prince Klaus Funds, this will be the first international edition. I'm very excited, therefore, to be joined in the studio today by two organizers of Strictly Silk, and Jerry and Akati. Welcome. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. We're happy to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Um, so my name is Jerry. Um, I'm a member of the NET Collective. Um, and I handle all aspects of production for the collective. And I'm also a DJ. And an artist in general, and I think that's the first time I've actually gotten comfortable to say I'm an artist. <laughs> Always really avoid <laughs> saying that. Okay, uh, my name is Akati. I I work and create with Jerry at the Nest Collective. Um, a storyteller, musician, um, newly a DJ, and I'm an event organizer. And I'm super duper excited because my birthday is next week. And all this feels like a giant present from the universe. It's really great to have you on. Thanks. Strictly Silk is an initiative of The Nest. Can you tell us about The Nest Collective? How did it get its start? What's its vision, its mission? What's it all about? So The Nest Collective originally started in 2012. Um, and it's based in Nairobi. Um, and it started off as a space where we would invite people and bring people together for workshops, screenings, gatherings. But then it also evolved into somewhat of a production company with its uh, growing membership of 12 of 10 members. And we grew into making our own films, music, visual arts, fashion, and all different kinds of work based on projects that we created and produced. Um, we then went to, we've just slowly gotten into a space where we started working on events. And this started off because we were working on music and we wanted to see how we could bring our music to our audiences and build different experiences for our audiences. And this is how we started coming up about with um, experiences such as Tricky Silk um, and see what we could do with that. And can you say, what is it about this particular um, link that's important to you? So 
why is art, culture, and media so important for creating change from your perspectives? Why is equality behind the camera, for example, just as important as equality on the screen? How do you think about the connection between art and activism? Um, most of the work that we create is about um, both reflecting reality and also um, imagining different realities. Um, so we, we dip into what we know about our history, what is currently going on in our environment and kind of thinking what are the ideal situations and how can we reflect that in our artistic media. And then this gives us uh, products that are easily accessible for people that don't feel very um, heavy to consume, but allow, allow us to, to both enter this imagined space. And then once we are all in that space, we can kind of co-create a future or an act, an act, a reality outside of the art um, that reflects the things that we think the world should be taking seriously and should be placing importance on. Sure. I just wanted to add on to the to that in the sense that also the work that we create, we always ensure that we are able to interact with our audiences, um, and it is easy that culture is able to do that. It's a method uh, that's able to achieve change. For example, for example, um, what we've done with Strictly Silk, where that's also done a thing where our audience has been able to own the space and own the concept and make it their own their own thing, which also enables change and is like a domino effect that creates um, where it enables other people to be able to create other spaces such as the ones we're creating. I just had a, I had a thought on what you, the question you asked about equality behind the camera or in this case behind the event. Um, and um, having this event that all the back backstage production, um, all our suppliers, vendors are are women and non-binary people. They are able to bring their their lived experience into creating an event that that addresses the issues that they've had to experience. That perhaps people who have not um, had to embody certain intersections in life. Um, may never have thought about. So the, the, the outcome is definitely something that makes sense, you know, in terms of um, having representation behind the scenes mm -hmm. makes the event um, more relevant and meaningful for the audience because the people who made it are people who are like them, you know. Mm -hmm. And so are you, um, or how, how do you approach who you invite to your events? How do you continue to cultivate um, inclusion of the kinds of people that you want to see who might otherwise not be coming or who might, yeah, otherwise not be going to, to these kinds of things or think that these kinds of events that you're putting on are not for them? Do you have a, an approach about that? Um, we, we do, and it's definitely an evolving approach. Mm. Um, so we, we, we work on our communication to, to make sure the language is as accessible as possible and as clear as possible, um, that this is a space that is welcoming for people who are, you, you know, um, women, whether cis or trans, 
whatever you may consider your um, sexual orientation, if you have um, qualms because perhaps of your social economic background, your education, you know, um, maybe you don't have friends in town, you know, something as simple as that. And we try to, to make sure that it's very clear that this is a welcoming space, that it's a safe space and we put in um, different levels of security for both your physical and your emotional um, safety. And um, the direction we're kind of hoping to go in in future is to also include our audience members. Mm. Um, so the people who have come and have experienced the event are able to, to, to speak as audience members to other potential audience members and say that this is, this is useful because, you know, of this, or I'm going to bring a friend because I enjoyed the experience. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing we do to be able to uh, create inclusivity is also during production uh, with regards to the venues that we pick. We also ensure that it's easily accessible um, so that we don't close out a certain audience. Um, and uh, on top of that, also just to add on to what Hakati was saying with regard to our communication and also we emphasize the security and the safety of the space. Um, and I think what we are really grateful for is that also with the work that we've done over the years, we've also cultivated um, um, trust with our audiences. So that's been really helpful for us. Mm-hmm. And in addition to Strictly Silk, the NAS Collective has also developed other projects, right? And yes. we know one of them is a fund, just like Mama Cash. Can you tell us more about that? Uh-huh. Um, so the NAS in 2013 um, decided to undertake a project that was looking about looking into sustainable creative livelihoods because um, at that time we had moved from being an event space into a production space and we wanted to to clarify if it's possible for people to live dignified lives off of their income from their from their creative work. And so Kiva Fund was born as a financing and business support facility for creative entrepreneurs. Um, we work with with creative practitioners, with cultural practitioners. Um, we have developed tailored financing products that that make sense for people who are who are in creative enterprise and have very particular unique methods of production and needs um, for how the money needs to be coming into the business. Um, but more than that, we offer business support so that um, if you do have you know a talent or or a, an artistic endeavor that you want to to monetize, and perhaps you you've never had, you don't have a background in business. So we offer support that allows you to to build your entrepreneurship skills, that allows you to build your network, allows you to access markets, um, and as another umbrella uh, point of intervention, we also do a lot of advocacy. One, we talk to traditional lenders who are who have always been hesitant to work with artists because they don't quite understand the system and we try to clarify the language of each to the other. And we also work with um, private sector and government to to break down the the challenges that are in in that are preventing ease in doing business in the creative sector. Great. So thanks. that's far we've worked in Kenya. Okay. 
I could go on. <laughs> let's take yeah, a let's take a quick break. When we get back, uh, we'll be talking to, some more to Njeri Nakati about Strictly Silk and what the term safe space means and what creating these kinds of spaces looks like in practice. For today's episode, we reached out to one of our Spark grantee partners who have experienced creating more inclusive dance floors. Here's what they had to say on the subject. Hi, this is Non, also known as Gender Clown. I became a gender clown during the creation of my own gender-bending queer party. It was a space where I gave myself and others the permission to ridiculize all the norms society forces upon us, especially gender and beauty standards. Me and my fellow clowns explored, and while we did this, we invited others to explore with us. By doing this, we made love, because love is born in places where people are free to fuck up, to fail, to say oops, and try again. The gender-bending queer party is no more. I gave it my all, and then I gave it up. The new generation is here. Check them out. They are called Clow and host the most amazing space of Rotterdam and beyond at the moment. The gender clowns are also still here. Mama Cash is now supporting us creating a network of support groups all over the Netherlands. A lot of what we use in our work now stems from what we learned creating a safer club space at Gender Bending Queer Party. We used to set intentions. We invite others to help us create a welcoming space. We tell ourselves we are not perfect. We ask participants to try and do it differently than in the outside world. We take care of each other. We ask those who are comfortable to donate some of that comfort to the room. We check in with our bodies and bodies. We ask those who are awkward to be brave enough to share. We hold space. And when we go home, we have more hope. And going home with more hope is what we need as queers, whether it is after a night of clubbing or after a low-key meetup with friends. Hope that things can be indeed be different. Cheers, take care, and gender clown liberation. Want to learn more about the groups Mama Cash supports and how you can support them too? Head on over to www.mamacash.org. Welcome back. You're listening to Tea with Mama Cash with today's guests and Jerry Anakati from the Nest Collective. So Strictly Silk is a party for and by women, cis or trans, from any background or religion. What would you say was the need that prompted you to start Strictly Silk? Um, so we had, start, we had started making music as a Nest Collective and we were, as Alia mentioned, we were trying to think of different experiences where we could present our music and our, um, to our audiences. Um, and then we started having conversations around women going out and what kind of experiences they have. And just to to experiment and see what if we actually had a an only women's party, how would that look like? And we also did think about the idea of having an all male party and just have an idea about that. But when we were having conversations about an only women's party and what kind of experiences women have uh, around going out, and the same conversations were either uh, factored in on harassment. Um, what kind of outfits you have to wear, considering um, what kind of spaces you're going into and who you're going to meet, um, all these safety precautions that you have to meet because you're going into a, a, a space that you don't feel safe, but you also want to come out to get out of the house because you actually want to go and have some fun. 
And so we started toying with the idea of, of maybe we should try and create a space where we just have um, women come together and also explore the idea of having women suppliers uh, as well as just female performers because when we go into all these different aspects of, of creating this kind of production and thinking about um, women in general in society, even as performers, if they're given spaces able to perform, that's always uh, not a common thing that happens. Uh, you often find that women are usually in the supporting role um, in terms of even organizing events or even coming up with this kind of productions. And we thought maybe let's just experiment and see if our audience would would uh, be interested in this kind of thing. Uh, so when we did our first event, uh, which had about we only had female performance, and like everybody who was a part of the of the event was just women, um, and we did our first event, and it was it was a success. It had about 300 to 400 women, and I guess at that point that's when we realized, okay, this is an actual need, and we do need to keep doing a lot more of this because it's one of those things where and not some cliche or anything, but it's one of the things where you go out and you realize that there's a lot of, everybody's probably going through the same thing. And so when we're having these conversations with a lot of the women, you're realizing that you're, it's a lot of you going through the same kind of harassment, going through the same thing. And this, we realize that this is something that was needed. Mm-hmm. And... Did you get any feedback? Did people actually say anything to you about it? Or what was that like? I mean, there must have just been so much hype around it. Um, I mean, the feedback has been, on the whole, really positive. Um, considering our first event was literally our first dance event. <laughs> We'd never, we didn't have, we didn't have uh, street cred, so to speak. Mm. But people still showed up and they said it was amazing and it was something that um, they didn't realize how much they would enjoy it and how much they needed it until they were actually in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, and following the first event, each event we've had has had um, a bigger audience because people who come tell their friends who tell their friends and say, you know, the next one we have to show up, the next one we're going as a squad. Um, the next one I'll be in town for because we've had a couple of people coming in from from out of town. Um, we've had we've had just generally really positive um, responses from our audience. Um, we've received uh, a lot of curiosity from sort of the the wider community and particularly from from venues and and suppliers when we, when we approach them and say so we're having this event and it has the following you know terms and conditions so um, we love your space but are you able to make sure that during the the event we'll only have um, female and non-binary people within the perimeter and they're like what you know what why would you need that what exactly is that about um, so there's a there's an element kind of of social education that goes goes into into the planning as well um and i think the third kind of reaction we've gotten that was that's more of a a digital blogosphere social media response um that has ranged from this is something that you know is really important and we really need it through 
Um, why would women want to gather alone? What is it, what exactly is it that they do? Um, to um, I don't want to say overt hostility. No, it's digital hostility. Um, just um, re- in reaction to women deciding to to spend this time um, alone, especially in a context where you know um, a lot of a lot of dance floors are. Um, I don't want to say meat market. Uh, <laughs> um, a lot of dance floors are places where um, women are on display um, and, and people feel that they have access to them no matter what um, the individual may feel they, they have decided to go out uh, that night for. Um, so that's kind of the range of responses, but um, overall, it's been it's been really amazing, very heartwarming, and and we're really glad to have to have undertaken it. And I I have to admit, I was in town f- in Nairobi for the last one, and I didn't go because I didn't know anyone and I didn't know how to get there, and it was, yeah, it seemed. Like it maybe wasn't a space for me. I didn't know enough about it and things like this. Um, and I can imagine that there would be a lot of other people like that. Um, but hopefully as they hear more about it or through word of mouth, they'd be more um, open to going and feel excited to go. Because I really, I really had FOMO about it. I had fear of missing out. I really wanted to go and I just couldn't figure out how to get there. So it's super exciting uh, that you're going to be coming to Amsterdam to uh, have the first international edition here because now I'll get to go, which is awesome. Um, but what are, you, what are you thinking about in terms of bringing it to Amsterdam? What are some of the differences you're expecting between how it goes in Nairobi and how it might go in Amsterdam? Um, from from the, the research we've done, I guess the first thing is that parties in Amsterdam start a lot later than they do in Nairobi. Um, so it'll be interesting to be starting our night <laughs> quite late in the night. Um, when, when, with the discussions we've had with um, people in Amsterdam, we're actually really interested to find out that there's not um, a vast amount of difference in how women feel when they go um, into these uh, public dance spaces, and there's still a lot of concern around, you know, um, bodily integrity, around uh, taking care of your property, um, your drinks, taking care of your friends, making sure that everyone who gets there. Um, get home okay. So it's it's interesting for us to kind of um, to to see that a lot of these issues are you know similar um, wherever you are in the world. Um, I think it's also just understanding that it's an entirely new space for us as well, and it will be the first one for us that we do there. So of course we'll get to learn a lot uh, about um, this different spaces there. But I don't think with the conversations that we've had and with what Akati has brought up, I don't think it's entirely too different. And I think it's one of those things where we've also understood that in terms of women going out to, to spaces at night, to, to clubs and for night events, that we're all facing the same thing. But it's also one of those things that we understand that also women just want to have a good time with other women and just for one night be able to dance and enjoy themselves and support other women. And so that's what we're excited about. 
So we're going to take a quick break. And while we do, you might want to go on to the Mama Cash website and grab your tickets for Strictly Silk because I'm pretty sure they're going to sell out fast. It's going to be the first international edition, March 7th, of Strictly Silk at the Mama Cash Feminist Festival. It's time for feminist mishaps because nobody's perfect and we're all human. This episode's mishap comes from our colleague Eka, who had this to say. A couple of years ago, I was hanging out with some work partners from Sweden, and one of them at some point mentioned about her sister being married. And later on in the conversation, I asked her what her sister's husband was doing, and she said her sister was married to a woman. Whoops! I was very ashamed to assume that the marriage partner could only be a man in this case. That from our colleague Eka admitting something I'm sure some others of us have done, I certainly have misgendering partners and assuming heterosexuality is the only way to be partnered. Do you have a feminist blunder of your own? Send us your confessions anonymously if you wish, and we may share it on a future episode. You can reach us on Twitter at MamaCash or by email at t at mamacash.org. And Jerry, Akati, you've had four successful editions of Strictly Silk. How is it evolving? One is evolving in structure. So um, we, we've had to look for larger venues and... Um, uh, we've also experimented with either having indoor, outdoor, and kind of feeling out what our audience is more interested in. Um, we've gotten a lot of really good feedback about our outdoor events because there's something just really freeing about um, dancing under the stars. Um, as, the, as the event is getting bigger, of course, we also have an, uh, a larger, more interesting mix of the, the type of people who who get to attend, and we are also having, we are fielding a lot of conversations about, you know, the people, you know, the people who attend, and then perhaps maybe surprised at the diversity of, of the other attendees and um, how to how to ensure that the space remains um, safe, both physically, but also um, as a safe space for self-expression. Um, for queer people, for gender non-conforming persons, um, interacting with um, more hetero heteronormative persons in a in a country that you know does not generally support the the queer and gender non-conforming communities. Um, we are also evolving in terms of the offering. So we we started out. Uh, focusing particularly on DJ performances. Um, we've experimented with live performances. Um, and um, as we go forward, we're going to try and experiment with um, the, the format. So as, as well as the, the night parties, which are you know imperative and, and central to the DNA of Strictly So, we're wondering um, what is a woman's only gathering that is joyful, but that happens during the day or that happens on a beach or, you know, mm-hmm. that happens in Amsterdam, that kind of thing. Um, so those are, those are the ways that we are, we are trying to, to grow and, and evolve. Just to touch on, we also usually have vendors attend uh, Strictly Silk or be a part of Strictly Silk, and that's also something that we are, we are also uh, trying to grow. And with regards to also suppliers in the sense that 
uh, audio technicians, because sometimes it's usually a struggle to get that. Uh, for instance, when you go to a venue and you ask that the technician be only uh, a woman, and that's usually a problem uh, we struggle with. And so it's evolving in that in the sense that we are also discovering a lot more talent uh, in that space and even just shining a light on, on women's businesses and performers and all those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And thinking about that and, and what we were saying also about, you know, how it's evolving and how to, how to make it an inclusive space so that many different kinds of people can feel comfortable. Um, can you say a little bit about how, how do you do that? I mean, what does safe space mean to you and how does Strictly Silk try to foster that? Um, we, we start with um, a really heavy <laughs> emphasis on physical security and we have security, you know, like security personnel um, manning the perimeter to make sure only the people who are welcome inside enter. Um, inside, we have female bouncers who are, you know, watching out for any minor conflicts, anything that could cause, you know, damage, broken bottles, that kind of thing. So there's there's a primary emphasis on physical security. Then we try to communicate very strongly so that the people who self-select to come to attend the event are aware that they are part of creating that safe space, um, that relational safe space. So, you know, come with good vibes, expect to see people who are different from you, and try and find out the stuff that you have in common, because, you know, everyone is there who loves music, everyone loves to dance, whatever you may, your initial interaction with them might be. Um, We also make sure that they're members of the production team that are easily accessible, very visible. Um, We make sure MC introduces us so that if in case of any anything that comes up, it's very easy to identify one of us and we're able to handle um, incidences. Though, you know, knock on wood, we actually haven't had any serious <laughs> incidences. Um, we are um, a drug-free zone. Yes. Um, well, we also ensure that we have an ambulance and medical assistance on at the venue just to make sure because there's alcohol, um, just to make sure that, that people are safe and also just in case anything will happen because it's a, it's a party and people are out. Um, we also ensure that the venue itself is also safe with regard to if anything was to happen. Um, we always make sure that uh, we check boxes to ensure that people, our audiences and ourselves are very safe. And um, we also ensure that we are fully, like our licenses are on, on board, that we, we're in, in line with zoning regulations. Um, so there's no reason for the party to be broken up at mm. any point. Um, and we are open and clear about what this gathering is about so that it never, you know, takes on a sinister or hidden uh, undertone that could be attacked. And for people who who maybe won't ever make it to a Strictly Silk party or who haven't yet bought their tickets um, and won't be able to make it because they're about to sell out, so go buy your tickets right now for the Amsterdam party on March 7th. For those people who may never get to a Strictly Silk party, can you can you describe it for us? What's it what's it like? You know, how are people showing up in the space? 
Um, what does it feel like to be in that kind of space, dancing for the evening? Oh, we can set it up. You know, we, for instance, when we make the announcement, people's women start planning for their outfits days before the event happens. <laughs> and so we are fully aware that women are going to come dressed up in all kinds of outfits, feel comfortable to come into the space. Um, and so once you get in, there's music playing, there's vendors, there's food that's provided, there's drinks available, there's all kinds of different merchandise, there's pleasure marchers, there's all kinds of different, like, outfits, different kinds of things that you can find. And a dance floor for you to come and enjoy yourself and meet new people. We've also been lucky to get spaces where we can manage if you want to go to the side and have a bit of quiet, you're able to do that. If you want to go have a chat with your friends, if you want to be able to just sit down. We've even had spaces where some people have come with blankets and laid <laughs> them down and, and acted like they're at the park. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we, are, we are very particular about the vibe. So we look into the lighting and make sure that it's, it's moody, but it's also fantastic for taking photos, selfies, photos of your squad. We set up um, a kind of installation that you can also take really fire photographs in front of. Um, and we welcome people to bring their own celebrations there. Um, on our, at our first event, um, one of our attendees, her name is Wanjeri Gakuru, and she brought a cake. And ever since then, there's been cake. And people have come and said, I brought a cake to celebrate my birthday. I brought a cake to celebrate my graduation or my girlfriend's this or my auntie's that. We've even hosted a, a bridal shower, yeah, a hen party in the middle of the ongoing event. So it's, um, it's, kind, of, it's kind of, you know that feeling when, you, when you're at the club and you go to the, the ladies' room, and someone is just like, oh my God, your outfit is so yeah. cute. And someone else hands you lipstick and someone else gives you mascara. And if someone is crying over whatever is happening with their partner, people are like, no, you're amazing. You're beautiful. You're a goddess. That is exactly the kind of energy. But it's you know, spread throughout the entire venue. And at the same time, we have really high quality music, very good sound. Um, and we just keep the energy uh, vibey the entire time. So I would, I mean, I would suggest strongly if we're in your town that you get a ticket come through bring a friend you really love it so after this amazing experience at the party and so you know you've described this glorious space and it sounds awesome what's it like having been in a space like that being able to express yourself like that having that um, feeling with other women uh, diversity of women from all kinds of spaces in this in this space together. What's it like the next morning or the next week? Do you you know you've strutted your stuff all night long? Do you start strutting down the street the next day? Do you feel different? Are you you know do you, you do you know what I mean though? Like after you've had a really good yeah, night, yeah for sure. Yeah, what's yeah, it like yeah. the next the next day or the next week? Do you, are you changed? Are you moved and changed forever? Tell us. I mean, other than the exhaustion, of course, from the dancing and from partying, I, I, and I say this a lot because after my first experience at Tricky Soak, I definitely was spoiled. 
when I went to a mixed event where I had to experience transgender. <laughs> because there's a certain vibe that the space gives you where you feel so safe and you feel liberated. It feels joyous. You can't believe that you can feel that free. Uh, yeah. Um, for sure, there's 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 a there's a residual strut in your step. Yeah. Um, for the next for the next couple of days, our audience dominates social media. Yeah. And um, people are figuring out, okay, when are we gonna have another, yeah. you know, meeting up with a, with with the squad? Um, for myself. I've been taking the, the energy of Strictly Silk into every other aspect of my life. So whenever I enter a room, I kind of scan mm. and look at the ratio of, of the people who are there. And I, and, I, and I wonder, is there a reason why there are not enough, you know, women or non-binary people represented here? Um, um, There's definitely, for us as the organizers, an increased confidence and and uh, a desire to take this um, concept is that the best way to put it mm-hmm. like throughout throughout our life experience mm-hmm. so we know we can run this party we know that we can find um, really cool artists we can find very skilled technicians you know and so whenever we're, we're making deals or moving into a new space, we're already moving with the idea that we can strictly silkify it, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, or, and, and address a balance and just make sure that we're bringing more of that really positive energy um, all through our life experience. I love it. And it really makes yeah. me think of that um, that quote, what's the point of revolution if we can't dance and the importance of yeah, spaces yeah, like this. For sure, yeah. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for us to, to be ourselves and to move in our bodies and um, joyfully yeah, and to just express ourselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm so excited you're coming. Thanks so much for putting on a party here in Amsterdam. I hope some of our listeners can join us. For those who can't, I hope they got a feel for it through your descriptions. We're all nodding here in the studio with excitement. We love hearing about it. Um, so thanks a lot, Jerry and Akati, for joining us on today's podcast, Tea with Mama Cash. Thank you. Thank you for, Thank having, you us. for having us. Thanks for listening. Before we go, we have an announcement. Tea with Mama Cash is taking a spring break. We've now made over 15 episodes and we've had a blast doing it. And now we want to take some time to reflect on what we've learned so far and think about our next steps. So especially now, we would really love your feedback. What do you like about Team with Mama Cash? What's not working for you? What could be better? Which topics would you like to see covered in the future? You can reach us with your comments and suggestions at tea, at mamacash.org or via Twitter with our handle at mamacash or on Instagram or Facebook, which is also at Mama Cash Fund. Thank you all so much for listening. And if you want to keep hearing stories about feminist activism in the meantime, sign up for our newsletter on our website, www.mamacash.org. And of course, if you're in the Netherlands, we hope you can join us at the Mama Cash Feminist Festival, including at Strictly Silk on March 7th at Radio Radio.
If you can't make it to there, we hope you can make it to one of our other events at cities around the country in Utrecht and Rotterdam on that whole weekend. This is your host, Zora Musa, signing off until the next time. This podcast was produced by Mike Mirkovich, Susan Jessup, and Sophia Sewell, my colleagues at Mama Cash. And of course, we'd like to extend a special thanks to Injeri Anakati for joining us today.